Now, very good morning to you. Welcome in to today's programme. I have indeed uh, Barry Cowan, who sits opposite me. He's a TD, uh, but he's been selected as Fianna Fáil's uh, Midlands Northwest uh, candidate for the European elec- elections, and he sits opposite me uh, today. Good morning to you. Congratulations on your selection, uh, Barry, this morning. Good morning, Keith, and to your uh, listeners, and thanks very much for your congratulations, yeah. There is, um, there is a Fianna Fáil seat there. You're hoping, you're you're the only one on the ticket for Fianna Fáil just now? Yeah, um... The Electoral Commission, in its wisdom, some months ago decided to move uh, my own Dáil constituency, Lee Shoffley, back into the Midlands Northwest, where it will be again amongst its neighbours in the Midlands and Leinster and, and, and bordering yourselves and Roscommon and Connacht. It's gone from a four-seater to a five-seater. We haven't won a seat there in 15 years. Uh, you know, Europe matters. We've seen during the course of Brexit and COVID mm. and the cost of living issues that it's important and our perspective to have representation there to make a mark for the region and I see my candidacy is a good fit to uh, be in a position uh, to to contend and during the course of the campaign I would hope to win support and ultimately win that seat and I look forward to the campaign ahead in my efforts to do so. And did the change of constituencies make your mind up for you? It did. Um, I would never have considered this at all had Leash Offley remained in the southern half of the country. As I said to you you know, it, it moved back in. It's amongst its Midlands neighbours, its Leinster neighbours, Leashoffley, Longford Westmead, Mead, Kildare and Louth. And as I said, it also borders um, Roscommon and, and East Galway. And it's imperative that somebody brings to uh, another stage the issues that matter um, that can uh, derive uh, progress for this region um, where Fianna Fáil hasn't had uh, representation in the past. So I want to make a mark. Fianna Fáil would be part of a larger group within the European Parliament, the Renew Aldi group, uh, which is a party of scale, which allows allegiances to be built, which allows progress to be made, which allows influence in that Parliament. And, you know, there are three or four core issues I want to bring to bear in relation to the transition towards sustainability in food and farming and agriculture, in energy, mm. and I'm also conscious of our tax regime and the benefits that have accrued to this country as a result of the massive gains we've seen from corporate tax. I want to ensure that that is maintained. But can I ask you, I mean, there's 700 MEPs, you're going to be one of 700. Uh, the grouping that Fianna Fáil go with, will, are they a powerful grouping? Yeah, they are. They're one of the three major groupings in the Parliament. Um, a Liberal group, Renew group, uh, Aldi group, um, they would have influence, they are of scale and as I said to you, it allows uh, Fianna Fáil members who are associated with that group in, to be in a position of influence uh, in order to uh, move and progress matters that pertain to the region, matters that pertain to the country, matters that can uh, be progressed effectively and sufficiently uh, to, 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 to gain and benefit those that give us the privilege to represent them. And can I ask you, if you're successful in June in the European election, will there be a by-election then, or will they just wait for the election in October? Well, in the normal course of events, there would have to be a by-election within six months. Uh, the difficulty associated with with Leash-Offaly is that this present doll, the constituency is Leash-Offaly combined, the new doll is Leash and Offaly separated into two mm. three-seaters. But I would expect, uh, I'd, be fairly, I'd be fairly confident that we'd probably face a general election uh, before what a by-election would be inevitable. If it's June, it has to be before December. Yes. So, in 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 all instances, we're led to believe there will be one after the budget in October. 
Yeah, that 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 is that is a, a a belief and an understanding that some of us have, but ultimately it's a decision for the Taoiseach mm-hmm. to make, and he has that privilege, and he will make that decision, I presume, in conjunction with his party leaders uh, in government. But ultimately, look, uh, Fianna Fáil has 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 put forward candidates that have represented Lee Shafley exceptionally well in the past, and I've no doubt that the organisation will do likewise in the event of I've been successful in the European elections. Can I ask you, how is your relationship with Fianna Fáil? Is it, is it good? Is it testy? Is it... I'm talking about the Taoiseach really, I suppose. The tarnished it. Tarnished it, sorry. <laughs> you began with tea, but it's been the morning, so it has, yeah. The tarnished No, tea. look, I'm, I'm, I'm a, as I said, I'm a member of, of Fianna Fáil, Republican Party, the party that we'd like to believe understands workers, understands workers want it better themselves, want to improve the opportunities for their children. And um, I'm a team player. You know, there are times you would disagree with one another. There are times that moves would be made that you would think mightn't benefit the team, but ultimately we all are there with the one jersey on us. We all have the one goal, the one raison d'etre. But do you have a good uh, relationship with them? I have a good working relationship with the Tarnished and that has remained. Uh, we had our difficulties. That is behind us. Uh, I won't be defined, nor will he, by that incident. Uh, we are committed to those that, as I said earlier, give us the privilege to represent them and it's our job and our duty to do that effect- effectively and, and to the betterment of those that not, elect us. Not that you have control over it, uh, but I mean, it's it's a long way from where you're based uh, to the top of Donegal. Do you reckon will Fianna Fáil put another person in there, the likes of Lisa, Lisa Chambers, Pathico Gallagher? Yeah, I do. do I so? do, and at the convention, I made that plea, I made that suggestion. You know, I went before convention and canvassed the members over a course of a number of weeks, um, you know, highlighting... The, the, the ability and the potential of my candidacy and that convention was charged with the responsibility to pick one candidate who f- mm. they felt was best placed and I was delighted to be that candidate but I do I do appreciate uh, that it is a vast constituency it's a huge constituency taken in 15 counties uh, no one member in our organisation should think that they can effectively um, you know, run a campaign that can win support across all those counties yeah. so yes I do believe it's, there should be a second candidate and I expect that that will be uh, brought to bear in the next couple of days. Yeah, I mean, it's it's, it's a tough one. You've got Noel Blaney there, and you've got Pat the Cope, and then you've got Lisa in the middle. So do you go to the top of the country, or do you go midway down? It's a, it's a difficult one. And then when you look indeed at the constituency itself and who may be going, if Michael Fitzmaurice uh, goes, uh, Ming has confirmed to us this week again that he's going, and uh, then there's a Fine Gael seat there as well. I know there's got to, there's got to be five rather than four, but it's going to be interesting times. It will, of course. And look, every campaign, you know, takes on its own life. Every campaign, you know, has has different runners and riders. Each have their own personality. Each have their own background. Uh, each are from their own political persuasion. I can only speak to the candidacy that I've been privileged yeah. to be handed. And as I said to you, I have priorities. I have uh, issues that I want to address. That I want to debate. That I want to crystallise in order to be in a position to best represent the region and make a mark for the region. We know Europe matters, as I said earlier, and it's imperative that we have somebody there that understands you know, the, the issues, that wants to um, improve the lot of those that we represent. And those areas of responsibility, as I said, from my perspective, is this whole area of transition in food and farming and agriculture on one side, in energy on another, and the issue in relation to our tax regime. And they are my commitment. You know, there'll be other issues, of course, but they are the priorities that I want people to see and understand that this fellow knows what he's about, knows what he wants, knows what he can get, and what he wants to deliver for the region. And can I put it to you then, if you're not successful in the election, um, 
will you go for re-election in the new constituency boundaries? I will, of course, yeah. Or do you think you've, because you've decided to jump ship and go Europe, that you No, as I said earlier, you know, th- th- this opportunity that exists and this campaign and this election offers the potential for me to bring issues which are very real in my own county, yeah, yeah. my own yeah. constituency, Absolutely. my own region. And I'm bringing that to another stage, uh, parallel to the stage uh, in, in the Dáil presently, where both government and Europe have to work together yeah, yeah. in order to come up with the... The, 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 the means by which these uh, matters progress. Will it mean a huge change? You'll be gone for a few days a week? You'll be in Brussels a few days a week? Oh, look, you know, um, it's, it's no different really than somebody from Cork or Galway even uh, being a member of the Dáil and spending two or three days a week in Dublin. I'll spend mm-hmm. two or three days a week in, 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 in Brussels or Strasbourg, uh, but I'll be home. My constituency office will remain uh, my, I'll have some staff there. I'll be meeting with the people. I'll be, you know, holding clinics the same as I always did. I won't. I won't run away. I'll be. I'll, I'll get stuck in and, and and work hard and be effective for this region and make a mark, as I said, and be heard and be seen. Mm. So you're in Galway today. There's, there's a gangy in Galway. There's more Fianna Fáilers in Galway than there is in Dublin today. <laughs> so there is. Um, but um, are you going to Platform 94? Are you going to the other various events? Yeah, I, I hope to meet up with Thomas Byrne, um, yeah. Minister with Responsibility for Sport, uh, with yeah. a view to meeting some different clubs and organisations in the locality yeah. to help and assist them in their applications for capital funding, in addition to other issues that you've alluded to. I meet, obviously, with, 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 with um, Ollie Crow and others who, who, who want to highlight issues that pertain to this city, this county, yeah. this region, with a view to I being assured to be abreast of those, being assured that I can help and assist with them in whatever way I can okay. to, to, to advance issues in relation to transport, in relation to health, and as I said, the sporting issues, and of course jobs. Mm. You know, we have at our disposal on the West Coast a huge opportunity to increase the ambition that the government have presently in relation to uh, offshore offshore wind prospects, you know, mm-hmm. th- th- there is a potential to generate 300 billion for the economy by 2050, which is the size of the economy today. Yeah. Um, and I think that should be a pan-European project that can help and assist Europe. And the tribes of the West can provide energy that the Tsars of Russia have monopolised for far too long. We're good at that, so we are. We know to, to create a window right on this on the West Coast, <laughs> I can tell you that much. And the last couple of nights is testament uh, to it. Uh, I know your colleague Tariq Leary is in Platform 94, your That's colleague right. Anne Rabbit is in Nathan Rye. There's a gang, Thomas Byrne is here as well. And there's a good gang of them around the place today. Good luck with it. We look forward to uh, working with you indeed. Thanks, Keith. Um, I look forward to he- talking with your station over uh, the course of a number of months. Heading into it. Um, Deputy Barry Cowan, thank you for joining us uh, today. Quick commercial. No, it's not a quick commercial break. Let me go to uh, Dave O'Connell, who joins you on the line as well now. I'm going to go to Dave, and we'll have a look at um, the Connacht Tribune, uh, City Tribune headlines uh, from there. And Dave uh, should be joining me right now, if I do that and that. And uh, Dave uh, joins you on the line, and doo-doo, he's coming up to me now. He really is. The comment lines are open if you want to get through to us on 086 38 33 Dave, morning to you. Morning, Keith. How are you? I'm good. What part of the world are we in today? Well, we're, we're at home listening to Barry Cowan. That's what we're doing. So, um, uh, working from working from base today, Keith. Working from base uh, today, and, and, that's, and that's a good place to be working from. You have a full City Tribune uh, this morning, Dave, for us. And uh, you have a lovely pick on the front, by the way, in relation to sporting heroes there, first off. Of, of sporting, because you have me on that one, because I have in the paper in front of me, um, 
Uh, I know what's on the, fr the front page beyond that, but the Sporting Heroes <laughs> one, you, you caught me. Well, I'll leave you on that one so you can figure that one out and I'll tell you about it in a minute. Come here, the problem of some parents in trying to find secondary school places for their kids is your main lead. And do you know what? It's so sad. It is very sad. And I mean, obviously, this is one of those stories that's of relevance to you only if you have kids at that stage. But I, I'm, I have to say I'm quite shocked about this. We were talking to, uh, in, in particular, one distraught mother who's been, she's been begging for a place for her son. And the strain is having a huge impact on her whole family. But she's not the only one with the problem, so much so that the, the Department of Education has confirmed it's carrying out an analysis of secondary school applications in the city in an effort to address this dearth of places. We know of one school that reportedly has a waiting list of 400 uh, to get into uh, first year next year. Although I, I know and everybody knows that will ease because uh, some parents, a lot of parents put their uh, the kids' names down for more than one school. And honestly, I wouldn't blame them because you have to take your chance on all of these things. But anyway, that's the lead and it's also on page three. Absolutely. Now, on front page two, you're looking at Gola's nighttime economy plan, and they're currently being prepared, and it's not just about pubs and bars, they're talking about perhaps uh, other yeah. little vendors as well. They're talking about a nighttime market, particularly uh, at Christmas time, which I think would be a really interesting idea. The idea being obviously to encourage late night shoppers instead of just, well, let's say weekend browsing on this. But it is obviously predominantly about the entertainment sector or the the, uh, the pubs and restaurant sector, uh, although it won't be the massive revolution that people might have thought. Now, this is all ahead of a change to the licensing uh, laws, which would allow venues to open until 6 a.m., uh, when it's adopted. Uh, but the, according to Galway's first nighttime economy advisor, Kate Howard, most in the pub trade are only interested in licenses for special occasions, such as when there's festivals on, or I presume when the races are on. They don't see a point in being open around the clock. And I think that that was something that is, is logical all along. When the cost of the electricity is more than you're taking in at the till, it's definitely time to close. So anyway, on that, there's another week or so to make submissions and the details on how to do that, if you're interested, is in the story as well today. And you're also looking at a potential housing development at the docks and you've got a computer-generated image of it and it's going to look absolutely amazing. I agree. I think it's, it looks fantastic, Keith. And it's actually, it's something that I've always... Galway isn't the only place that, as a city, almost turned its back on the water. I mean, so many places, the water, be it a river or the sea, tends to divide an urban area instead of embracing it. And there is no more famous place, I would suggest, in the world than Galway Bay when it comes to Galway on this. But yeah. when you, you were talking to um, Minister Darrow O'Brien uh, earlier on in the week about all of this, but for those that missed it, the Galway harbour company has agreed to transfer ownership of a site to the land development authority in a deal that could pave the way for up to 250 new city centre homes to be built it would be i would suggest probably the, the best place you could you could live in galway looking out uh, on the water and yet in the heart of a beautiful medieval city so as you say the artist's impression is there it looks spectacular it's all on page four and you'll be close to my uh, resting place whenever that will be in Fort Hill Cemetery, so you will. So they wouldn't have, they wouldn't have too far to go to visit me. Uh, well, I hope, to, I hope to God that uh, it, it doesn't take as long as the outer city bypass, <laughs> because otherwise you'll be you'll be 100 years interred before there's anyone looking at you. Come here, there's a lovely story on a really important initiative from a number of clubs to halt the dropout of girls from sport in their teens. Yeah, this is I, I, this is a very important story, as you say. One in five girls quit sport uh, when they leave primary school, so that's around the age of puberty. That's four times more than uh, boys of the same age, and part of the reason for that has been identified 
as embarrassment over leaking during a period and not having sanitary uh, pads or tampons. Uh, the fact that there's also no facilities uh, to dispose of period products uh, leads them to being flushed down the toilets, uh, causing a major headache for sports clubs maintaining clubhouses due, due to blockages. So five clubs in the city will now offer girls fee, free uh, period products from uh, each coach and all uh, clubhouse toilets will have wall dispensers providing what they call eco-friendly fab little bags. These are disposable bags to ensure easy, discreet and responsible disposal of used products. Lean Mellows Camogie Club leading the way on this. It's called the Period Positive Project. They're joined by Renmore Soccer Club, St. James's Ladies Football, uh, Ren, uh, Renmore Hockey and uh, Common Rem- Rami that's the rowing club uh, at the All-Irish Secondary School. So a really important initiative and you can read all about that on page five. Now speaking of sport, it's the hurlers on the back page ahead of uh, this week's trip to Antrim. Yeah, a long trek to Belfast for Henry Shefflin's side. Yeah, hoping to uh, bounce back from their defeat last time out to Tipperary. Galway United uh, faced more than half of that journey there off to Dundalk, uh, hoping to put their defeat last weekend uh, behind them, although that's a a bigger ask than the hurlers. So both of those previewed. Also in sport, colleges basketball features. Uh, Good news for the Bish there. They beat Callis Sanctus in an all-Galway under-16A national final. And while uh, Connacht Rugby... Uh, also features in the sports pages. I have to say, when it comes to rugby, pride of place goes to Mick Casserly, such a, a stalwart for Galwegians from the, the late 60s into the early 80s. His friends and his colleagues gathered to honour one of the, the all-time greats of the club and indeed of Connacht Rugby. Uh, legends that attended on the night uh, included the former Ireland Connacht star John O'Driscoll, the great Mick Malloy, uh, Kieran Smith, loads of others and loads of photographs from that as well. What else have you got for us, Dave? Uh, loads in there, Keith. Uh, we won't go into the leap year, the February 29th stuff again. We did that yesterday, but it's the it's there and details of how to make the most of it are in Denise McNamara's piece. Uh, that feature as well on the actress Claire Barrett, who started out on stage with Renmore Panto, then trained as a nurse, came back to theatre, has most recently been in the Abbey, and now she's home uh, with Druid for their revival of Shadow of a Gunman. Uh, loads of social pics from Father Griffin's Air Oak, GA Club Social, uh, Winsher Mio uh, gathering on this side of the border and we have photographs from that as well just as evidence if nothing else uh, and plenty as well on the launch of Galway's newest festival because you can never have too many festivals Celissimo uh, <laughs> or Cellissimo uh, a tribute to cello which is music for Galway's uh, new offering and that's coming our way in May Great stuff and you got a spot on because on the front page there's a lovely pic of uh, footballers Derville Gavin Hannah Duffy, Emer Burke at the Father Griffin's Aerog Social in the heart of And Hotel. I actually knew that. I just hadn't remembered that it was on the front as well as a full page inside. So there you go. And loads more within it. Uh, pick it up on your way home or you can pick it up online as well. Dave, thanks indeed for joining us today on the programme. Dave O'Connell joining us there. And uh, again, loads more within it. And the montage and the computer generated uh, um, drawing indeed of how those apartments will look in the docks is just quite amazing as well. Quick commercial break it's 26 minutes past 10 where has this morning gone to? Can we press stop? Now I'm joined in studio by Martin Glynn from the DIY Academy. Uh, Martin good morning to you how are you today? Very well Okay, thanks for having me Thanks for popping in to us. What is the DIY Academy will you tell me? So the DIY Academy is something that we set up um just after COVID. So during the, the COVID lockdowns, um, I was finding that 
I found them fantastic because I was getting all these small little jobs done around the house that I was putting on the long finger for so long. Mm. And uh, I've seen so many men especially struggling with the time off. And I kind of put it down to them being idle, I suppose. So we kind of developed this, uh, the DIY Academy of Carpenter myself, so something I, I really love doing. And um, we kind of set it up for men initially just to kind of, if you knew a bit of DIY, you've stuff to be doing because we didn't know how long we are going to be stuck in our houses at that stage. And uh, yeah, so we launched it then um, early last year and uh, what ha- what's happened since is it's turned out it's mainly women that have been coming to do the courses. But when you say that, uh, so DIY is do-it-yourself, so are you saying that you're doing these courses then to show the ladies in question that you're talking about how to do basic stuff around the house? Yeah, very basic stuff. And, and are you getting good interest? Yeah, it's been fantastic. We've had a great... Um, like all our courses have been been full so far, and it's uh, yeah, it's really really good, and it's really fun because I suppose the the ladies that come along to these courses, they probably haven't had these subjects in school like we had, and you know the more practical stuff, mm. and they're coming along and they're, they're it's it's very simple stuff if you know especially if you know what products to use, and like it's not a, it's not a skill or a gift anyone is born with DIY, it's uh, no one yeah. to use the right stuff. But I actually know I know a chap indeed. Um, and his wife does all the DIY in the house. <laughs> she does, yeah. Not that you, not that you bring it, and she's brilliant at it. Yeah, my wife Petra does a lot in our house. I have to be, I'm, I'm ashamed to say, but because uh, uh, I leave stuff on the long finger of it. But um, yeah, look, at they're well able. It's not, uh, it's not something you're so born with. How does it, how does it work then? Give me a practical example. I mean, do you, do they have to go once a week? Do where do they go? Yeah, so it's a six week course. Uh, we run at the moment here around Galway. So um, and then we kind of first we kind of break it down week by week. And uh, just show them the basics, and uh, they're—I wouldn't say they're underwhelmed, but they're kind of going—you know—they're going home the, every evening, and then re- they can implement these skills straight away in their own homes. Mm. So then, uh, what type of stuff, really? Give me an example of what one class is like. So the first class, we show them how to how to attach to wall the different types of walls in our house and how to attach to them. So that brings in picture frame, hanging pictures, hanging shelves, all this kind of stuff, and a lot of them come into the course. That's a lot of what they hope to get out of the whole thing. So they've that on the first night. Mm-hmm. So everything after that is kind of bonus territory for them. So you take them through a partition and how to hang something on a partition. It's a, if it's a heavy mirror, how to do it right, not that it's going to fall down top of you. Exactly, yeah. And a lot of it's down, as I said, keep saying it's not a gift. It's, it's down to products and knowing what products yeah. to use. And uh, we just showed them a few tips along the way. And yeah, it's, um, it's, been, it's been great so far. And uh, then, so that's so you have a curriculum then right through for the six weeks. Yeah, so we're not we're not doing the same thing every week. We kind of move along with it, and I encourage them to go home and practice these skills in their own in their own home. And um, we kind of move with the course, so it's not just coming in doing the same thing every week. We have a new thing every week, and every class is different. And do you give them a list of basic tools to have in a box? A lot of people have them already, and like they've picked them up over the years, and they've um, they picked them up in the middle aisles and and this kind of stuff. So they have. They have a lot of stuff in the shed, so I encourage them in week one, just gather everything they have. Tidy it up. Tidy it up and know where it is because there's nothing as bad as knowing you have something and then looking for it and wasting an hour of your time, like, you know. And grease them or put the WD-40 on them. WD-40, they're probably perfect, you know. Yeah, and just tidy them up and get ready then from there. Um, I take it then, you don't bring them into the, do you do a bit of plumbing with them? We, I, I give them advice on it. Look, at I don't. I, I, I kind of keep away from that side of stuff myself. Electrical even. as well. Electrical and plumbing. You know, if you if it's uh, well, if water, the two meet, you're in trouble. I know. Yeah. <laughs> <I> like, <laughs> and the thing is, look, at if, uh, if water can do an awful lot of damage, as can electricity. So I kind of just it's a basic beginner course. So we start from scratch and show them. And as we go along, as they pick up these skills, it's um, 
they, they, they realise, you know what, this kind of falls into this category and I can watch this YouTube video and realise how they did that mm. and tackle this stuff. Instead of just watching these YouTube videos and saying, I'd love to be able to do that, they can watch them and say, I know how he did that and I can I can do it. And do you take them through painting? Yeah. Yeah, painting is uh, is early on. So, well, not early on. So the first three weeks uh, into, into the week four, it's all household DIY and just stuff we have around our house, showing them how to adjust doors, locks, handles, all the stuff that's in our house. Uh, kitchen doors, all this, these small little bits that are drive, driving them crazy. And then we kind of move into, I like working with reclaimed wood, like uh, working with pallets and making cool stuff out of um, mm, mm. different types of reclaimed wood. So we will move into that in the last the last part of the course. Wow, so you, so you can make chairs and seats and garden stuff out of Yeah, pallets. so we made planters there. We have them all around Portumna there, garden benches, and we have them, the Tidy Towns uh, helped us with that, and we have them all over the place that look, look brilliant. They're all made by, by the students of the course. Wow. Mm. So, again, if somebody's listening to us today and they'd like to uh, join the DIY Academy, what's the best way of doing so, Martin? Yeah, so we, if you go to our website, uh, the, the DIYacademy.ie, uh, all the courses are there. We have with, uh, with day-long workshops as well. We've one coming up very soon, uh, Grow Your Own DIY. So we're just showing people how to build a planter for growing veg so they can grow their own veg and show them how to grow. So we've Coleman Power coming down with us and he's going to show us all the that side of things. So it's going to be a really cool event in Kylemore Farm in just outside Portumna there. But, uh, but the three main... Um, uh, courses we've running starting as the 12th of March in Renmore, 13th of March in Portumna and the 14th of March in Westside. Okay. So we have three, three coming up all of a sudden and if you go onto the, the DIYacademy.ie you'll see them all there, just flick down through. And uh, is there a charge involved in this? Yeah, yeah, so there's a, so we've, it's 190 euros for the six weeks and that's all materials included and then uh, we also have a, an online course as well for people who can't get to classes and they want to do it in their own time, and that's €59. Euro. Are you getting good uptake on this, are you? Yeah, it's been fantastic. It's uh, And to be honest, it's been really enjoyable. Like Every every class has sold out so far. We're actually moving from, we were in Ormore for for the last year, but we've outgrown Ormore, unfortunately. They've been fantastic to us, and we've to move to Renmore, to the community centre there, just for a bit more space for, for people, because it's something that people really want, and it's something that... It seems very obvious to me now because because I'm a tradesman that I should have done it a long time ago. But it's this is just this this kind of in between um, DIY area is kind oh. of uh, doesn't seem to be uh, seems to be a bit neglected at the moment. So happy and, to fill that space. And you're still working carpentry as well? No, we're full time at this now uh, since Christmas. Oh. So we did I did both last year. I was a contractor and setting this up as well. So last year was very very hectic, and uh, so this year I'm glad to say that we're full time at it. Oh, good on you. So, the DIYacademy.ie, for yep. the details uh, from there. Yeah, everything is there. I hope you get a good response, uh, because I'd say it's a lot of people out there that could do with just brushing up their skills or, or giving them the confidence to do something in the house. Most definitely, and that's what it does. It's uh, it's over the weeks, you build more and more confidence. You know by the questions people are asking, that they're thinking of different projects, it's getting the cogs moving in their heads. Yeah. And uh, they're thinking of all this other stuff that, that they really want to tackle. And when you break it down... It's actually very simple stuff. If you're using the right materials and you have the two, have the few tools. The right tools are the right thing. To, if you have the tools. Yeah, and you don't need a crazy amount of tools either. You don't need a van, a van out the front with your name inside of it. You know, a drill is, is an awful lot of it, is, is what, is, of what you need. And um, yeah, it's, it's, it's very doable stuff. And we've and everybody, we, a couple of hundred people have done it now. And I'd say 99% of people were totally fine, got it. We broke it down. Yeah. yeah, we broke it down nice and easy for them. 
and show them um, show them how you know how to do to practice little skills every week and doing practical projects and before they know it they've picked up a nice bank of skills I think it's given them the confidence to continue with it then 100% yeah, yeah. and uh, it's uh, and it's it's enjoyable I have to say I, I really enjoy the classes myself you know some evenings they're be tired going and then just the energy there everyone's you know, it's a different thing for them and they're they're excited to be there and you kind of come out of it, you know, full of energy. It's, mm. it's fantastic. Listen, well done. Thanks for dropping into us uh, today. Martin Glynn from the DIY Academy. Further details from the DIYacademy.ie for further details uh, from there. Thanks for popping into us uh, Thanks today. very much, Keith. Best Thanks, of luck to you. And thanks for joining us uh, today on the programme. Some of the other comments coming into us uh, today are as follows. Uh, Keith, well done to uh, Ballinasloe Snooker Club. Celebrating 100 years uh, tonight with the social gathering in Galan's Hotel at 8pm. Is it 100 years old, um, the uh, Ballinasloe Snooker Club? Well done to you. And uh, Keith, um, would you do me a favour, please? Just do me a favour, please. Are kids learning? Sure you mean child or children. Uh, kids, too many American slang words and vocabulary now, uh, sadly. So please use teenagers rather than kids, Keith, moving forward. That's baby kids to me. <laughs> Now, very good morning. You welcome into today's uh, program with you right through until twelve midday. I want to go to the telephone lines uh, first off uh, today. Then have a guest in studio uh, joining me as well. But Sheila Campbell is the CEO of Heart Children. Uh, Sheila, good morning to you. Good morning. What exactly is Heart Children? I haven't come across that before. Can I ask you? So Heart Children is the national charity that supports people born with congenital heart disease um, and we support the family as well because when the child is born with congenital heart disease it's, it's, a, it's a whole family affair. Um, should, maybe I should tell you a little bit about what congenital heart is. Yeah, the disease I, I, is. I, understa- um, I understand but for those that don't I would, would appreciate if you could. Yeah, so congenital heart disease is a condition that arises when the baby's heart does not develop correctly during pregnancy. So at birth, the structure of the heart is not formed properly. Um, And in the milder cases, it can be something like a hole in the heart, which many people will have heard of. of, uh, Some of these close up on their own or some of them may need um, surgery. But following that, in most cases, people may never require further surgery. But in 20% of all children born with congenital heart disease, they are very, very complex conditions. Um, and just to mention, with congenital heart disease, it's it's not one thing. It's like, so there's all the different problems in the heart. So there's 40 different types of it under the heading. And some children can have four and five, if not more, of the conditions altogether. Um, these children will probably face a lifetime of repetitive surgeries, open heart surgeries, interventions, um, medical assessments. Um, and they deal then with an awful lot of trauma and post-traumatic stress disorder, um, you know, and behavior issues and can do behavioral issues it's not typical but it can lead to that and even just things like fears and worries and nighttime terrors so the, um it's it's a big remit um you know to be born with um congenital heart disease but the figures are quite staggering because uh, from reading the brief um this morning nineteen thousand people are estimated to be living with uh, congenital heart disease in ireland with approximately five to six hundred children born here with the condition annually yeah, absolutely. So just to say that uh, congenital heart disease is the number one birth defect. So that's ahead of cleft palate or Down syndrome. Um, and that's worldwide. So one in every 100 children worldwide is born with a congenital heart defect. Wow. Um, and there's about 60,000 children born annually um, in Ireland. And so those figures would bear out uh, five to 600 children per year. So of the 19,000 that you mentioned, obviously within that cohort, there would be a lot of people who had the milder forms, but in there, there's the 20% 
that would be living it with it for life um and it would be you know changing the course of their life um continually um meaning that they couldn't you know do what everybody else is doing um and even when they're having the surgeries it really is just corrective and just repairing until the next time um you know that that that's something else needs to be done so you know it, it is a lifetime um it, it is a lifetime and a life-changing illness uh, or condition and there is no cure it's just you know um repetitive surgeries to repair and then at the end when there's there's no other surgical option um heart transplant would be the only next thing Stay with me, if you don't mind, because I have Emma Cahalan joining me um, because she's mum to Alex, aged eight, who has congenital heart um, disease. Um, morning to you. How are you today? I'm good, thanks, Keith. How are you? Um, tell, me, um, tell me a little bit about Alex and how, di- how different it is uh, with this disease. Okay, so Alex has um, 3P deletion syndrome. So he was born with a genetic <coughs> mutation, which means he has a connective tissue disorder, Lowe's Dietz. And essentially, um, connective tissues like the glue that holds your body together, all your tissues together. Yeah. So from a heart point of view, it affects lots of things for him. Um, his muscles, his teeth, lots of things. But from a heart point of view, it means his um, arteries aren't as strong as yours would be or I, I, mine would be. So they have a tendency to stretch. Therefore, he's at risk of them splitting or having an aneurysm. And also from a heart point of view, generally speaking, it occurs quite close to the heart. So that means that a lot of people with this condition, their heart valves don't work properly. So they don't, they're because they're stretching. So they're not closing oh. properly. What's it like for you as mom? It's tough. Yeah. Yeah. He has, um, you know, he was diagnosed four years ago now, but we pretty much knew most of his life that there was something wrong, but we had to go through a long diagnosis process. Um, he can, you know, he looks like normal child, but he would have restrictions. He can't run as well. Um, he has to avoid certain sports. He has an awful lot of medical appointments. And so that's, as Sheila said, that's what brings a lot of stress and anxiety to him. Um, he's had, you know, he had six operations by the time he was six. Um, so he hates God. doctors and hates, you know, going to any appointments whatsoever. Um, and he has to have physio and OT and all sorts of other services uh, as well. Does he realise how different he is to other children he's very aware that he is different and very conscious of it yes um, and he hates it and yes. as a parent you hate that too yes of course yeah 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 of course um, you know I hate it for him because I'm, I, I, see, I see how much it upsets him mm-hmm. he just wants to be a normal kid doing and I mean a lot of the things he can do as a normal kid um, there's just certain things he can't or he's not as fast um, you know he's really loves sport but he is conscious of the fact that he's the slowest in his class or, you know, this kind of thing. Uh, is it hereditary? Um, no, but his particular, the mutation that he has, it, it was spontaneous, if you like. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so no. Just unlucky. Just unlucky, unfortunately, yeah. So, I mean, if you had other children or have other children, would you be concerned about this, that same gene then? We had, we were all, well, me and my husband were tested at the time. So when we were fine, we have another son um, who's 10. Um, so once we were okay, as in we didn't have the mutation, we knew then that it wasn't, it wasn't hereditary. Um, okay. So Alex was unfortunately just unlucky. Yeah. So I suppose, that's, is, it, is it fair to say that's peace of mind for ye? Um, I guess it is, yeah. Um, but... Uh, uh, yeah. Doesn't ease it. Doesn't ease it. Yes. Yeah. And do you constantly worry? Of course. Yeah. Yeah. It's you know, and it's it, it is constant because there's there's always something coming up. There's always a new appointment or a new thing or a new scan, or you know something coming up all the time um, for him. Uh, and a lot of it is is Dublin based, unfortunately. 
so it's travel and it's a whole day and you know it's um uh, it, it's a lot of yeah a lot of work but that's what moms and dads do unfortunately yeah 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 unfortunately that you have to do it but mm-hmm. that's yeah and does if he overexerts himself is he in, in danger of doing further damage uh, there are certain things, yeah, uh, not so much overexertion, but like he has to avoid like contact sports because he can't get a blow to his chest. Um, you know, so he, he started hurling and he loved hurling, but we pretty much had to stop it because, you know, yourself, as they get older, the old elbows to the mm-hmm. chest would start happening and whatever. And that could... Yeah, 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 exactly. Cause him a problem. Mm-hmm, yeah, yeah. Uh, Sheila, you're still with me there. Yes. That sounds an, an amazing story, so it is. Yeah, absolutely. And just, just to say to you with um, congenital heart disease, um, which is one of the symptoms that um, Alex has, but there there really is no known cause for why it occurs. And um, it's what they call multifactorial and that it can be a mix of genetics plus environmental factors um, that may, you know, um, affect the structure of the heart as it's developing. So there's, you know, it, it really is um, not something that you'd necessarily be thinking of yet at the same time because of advances in scanning. Um, most babies are picked up at the 20 week scan now. So 70% of all all births are picked up at the 20-week scan um, wow. through scanning facilities. I know you have an event on this uh, coming Saturday, isn't it? Uh, you have, yeah, tomorrow. Um, but I mean, yeah, we yeah. do. Um, you know, the thing to remember is that, you know, all these little babies grow up and, um, you know, the care that Crumlin provides is fantastic. But unfortunately, at the age of 16 to 17, um, that comes to an end and they need to make the change over into adult services, which is over in the Matter Hospital. Um, and while the services in Crumlin are fantastic, um, there is a step down in the level of care that's available um, through the Matter Hospital, which uh, we want to highlight. But also um, what we want to try and do for the for the young people is just to give them the resilience and the confidence to take forward their own care. So now they'll be attending their appointments most likely without their parents present and they need to be able to understand their own condition and the medical jargon that goes with it and to be able to implement the advice the advice that the consultants and um, the nursing team would give to them to look after themselves plus to know the symptoms when something is happening you know and that when they need to kind of escalate it into maybe going to the hospital if there's something going on so um, yeah it's a lot of responsibility at a time that you know most teenagers are are dealing with lots of other stuff you know studies and Mm. social pressures so yeah Emma, are, you, time for are you thinking that far ahead that um, Alex will be heading off to Dublin to the matter on his own? To honestly, no. <laughs> I'm busy. Um, yeah, going through the you know the day to day stuff, and, and as Sheila says, it's it's the trying to help him develop the coping skills and the resilience, you know, to deal with what's as I say, he hates the medical appointments. He gets you get, gets very stressed out, and that's where Sheila's organisation has really helped us. And providing us the the play therapy for mm-hmm. him um, because we we knew he had high levels of anxiety. He even got diagnosed via the HSE with high levels of anxiety, but unfortunately they were unable unable to provide him with the services then to the therapy that he needed. Um, so that's where um, her children came in and they funded the play therapy for him. That has really just yeah helped him. You're, you've asked me how I cope, um, mm-hmm. and, and I've had therapy you know to help me cope with it. And the play therapy is. Is the key for him as well. Yes, really, done yeah, it. really helped him cope with everything that goes on in his life. Sheena, how can people get details on heart children? 
Well, they can just come to our website, which is heartchildren.ie. Um, and if anybody's out there that's listening and um, would like to attend the conference, it's free. Um, obviously, you know, it, it is um, for young people between the ages of um, 15 to 20 and their parents. But we'd welcome anybody that's within that bracket who'd like to attend. And they can register by just emailing info at heartchildren.ie or just see the, the website heartchildren.ie and they'll find all about the organisation. Uh, keep up the good work, Sheila. Thanks indeed for joining us uh, today. Thank Emma, you. Thank you indeed. Emma, you had said to me before we come in here, you're from Donegal. I am indeed, yes. And you came down to study. I did, yeah. Came to Galway along. I'm not going to say how long, but yeah, <laughs> quite a few years ago. And you never went home. And I never went home, no. no. Well, I suppose you're going to visit, but you come back down again. Yes, then. yes. And you married a man from Lockery. I did marry a man from Lockery, yes. Yeah, so yeah. Galway now for good, I think. Yeah. Good, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I am indeed. Um, so, children here, business here. Um, so, yeah, I'm... I'm settled. Uh, much as I'd love to go back to Donegal, and I do as often as I can. I am, yeah. And when you say business, have you your own business here? I have, yeah. So I'm, I'm mainly actually working now with mums like myself that are, you know, have kids with additional needs. So I have a clinic in Galway, so doing things like Reiki and acupuncture for stress relief and anxiety. And I also run classes and retreats, um, teaching mindfulness skills, stress reduction skills, things like that to parents um, with, yeah, any kind of kids what? with additional needs or chronic illnesses or that kind of stuff. Much needed, I would say, from yeah, there. Yeah, most definitely. Much, as much I needed from Personal there. experience, yeah. Yeah. Listen, well done to you. Thanks for joining us uh, today. Keep strong and um, to yourself and your husband and to Alex and to your 10-year-old. Uh, keep keep the spirits high. Thank you very not, much. Not Thanks. easy, but keep the spirits high. Thanks for uh, having me. There. Thank you so much for joining us uh, today on the programme. Now, yet to come on the programme, by the way, we'll be going to Galway Thoughts next, and we've got Martine O'Connor joining us, uh, Councillor Martine O'Connor, and Councillor Declan MacDonald will be joining myself, and uh, John Morley will be looking at a number of issues that have come across our desk uh, today, RT being one of them. Uh, we'll continue to discuss that, and indeed other uh, aspects as well, including Gaza and Israel. Now though, let's head to our C11 o'clock news and death notices. We're back just after these. A very good morning to you.